Hi! I don't normally come on before the intro music, but I just wanted to introduce this episode because I recorded it back in, in November and it was before the United States general election and I just kind of wanted to give a little bit of context before you receive the content. And this one is very, um, the, the lessons you're going to learn are very near and dear to my heart, but also eye-opening and very relevant no matter what time of year it is. Sorry for my late editing skills. All right, here it is. Hey, welcome back to Crying in My Cheesecake. I am Danielle, your host here, and I just want to thank you for showing up again. And if you happen to follow me on Instagram and my stories, I've gotten really into this idea um, of ownership of our bodies, taking responsibility for our health. So there were a few memes that have kind of hit me hard. You know, it's political time here, general election time here in the United States. I don't care what political affiliation you have, what you believe, what have you. But there was this meme I saw that had really piqued my interest about how it's the government's job to protect my rights. It's my job to protect my health care. And I'm not trying to politicize any of this, but there was something about this that resonated with me until recent. Like I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger finger on why it resonated with me until recently. So if you've listened to any of my podcast episodes before, you know this, and I will probably repeat this forever, but my dad had diabetes, um, type 2 diabetes since he was in his 30s, and he then had his first heart attack at age 42. So hospital bills and pharmacy bills were just common, and they were just the common thing what happened when you got older. Problems happen, and you, it's just going to cost more money. So if you've listened to my earlier podcast, you know how I got to where I am today. You know that I came to realize that I do actually have control about how my health will look in the future. What I didn't know then that I do know now, thanks to my nutritional therapy practitioner classes, is that there's this fancy term called epigenetics. Now, epigenetics is just a fancy word that describes the way in which the environment interacts with our genes, turning some on and turning some off. You see, while I have um, a genetic predisposition to obesity and diabetes and heart disease, my environment is actually in control of what are the, whether those genetic codings are turned on and expressed or turned off and not expressed, okay? I'm a control freak. I'm just going to say it. I'm a control freak. So I want to be in control of my epigenetics and, and help keep the genetic coding off for heart disease and diabetes, right? And that can be something for you too. That is possible for you too. And we'll get into that later. But here's where here's where my mind has kind of just been spiraling and thinking because my passion is to end obesity. Like I want to end obesity and end the reason for pharmaceuticals that needing of, you know, um, diabetic equipment, heart disease, all of these kinds of things. Like that is my passion. I don't have the degree or the education or the know-how yet on how to actually just do that. Other than and what I do know. And I do know that more than half of America is overweight or obese. And while I know that, I decided to research, research a few things like what are the actual numbers? You know, 2020, this year, this year of 2020 has been awful to us in some ways. And many people have gained weight for a few reasons too. So one reason may be that, you know, most of us are working from home now. And maybe some people that went into the office and like my husband, he would, instead of taking the elevator, he climbed up and down, up and down steps or flights of steps every day. He's not doing that anymore. Um, so maybe it's the fact that you're not moving as much or that we're not moving as much as we did when we 
you know, from working from home versus when we were at a business or at a building. The second reason that we may have gained weight is that we've turned to our vices. And most of those vices include food. So, um, you know, if you drink, um, if you're an alcohol, you know, if that's your vice, you maybe you're eating greasier foods that you normally wouldn't eat. Or if you are if food is your vice, maybe you're dabbling into some extra foods you know are not the best. You know, the vices are more prevalent, but then we're adding more vices on top. And the third thing is that we're experiencing depression and anxiety at an insane rate. And I did not mean that pun, um, but we are experiencing a lot of depression and anxiety as well. So 2020 has been difficult to some of us, right? Okay, so most of us. Um, If Americans are already overweight and obese before 2020 and all the stuff that's happened, then add on our 2020 unknowns to the mix. That's what I'm just going to call them, 2020 unknowns. You better believe many people feel like they're probably falling apart by now. When this podcast episode or this episode airs, it will be the second week of November. And many people, you know, there's only one month left of 2020 by the time this episode um, airs. And people are going to say, you know, what what's with 2020? What is with that? And my goal here is for you to just grab a hold of what is left. Grab a hold of what is left of 2020, what you can control, what you can't control, let go. But what you can control is things that go in your mouth, things that you do, you can control yourself. That is called self-control. When you add the 2020 unknowns to the mix, you better believe that people, maybe you, like me, are probably feeling like, you know, got some things are falling apart and I have no idea how we even got where we were. I mean, I'm not talking about how we blinked and, you know, we were just in March quarantine, but we're blinked and we're here. And what on earth has happened to cause us over the years to get to where we are today? Those of you who are overweight or struggle with obesity with these things, there are people that have healthy weight bodies that may not understand the struggle of obesity and obesity related diseases and just that weight that we're carrying. Okay. So the one thing that people may not understand is that climbing stairs or going down them. It hurts. It's embarrassing to watch. It's embarrassing when out of breath for a seemingly simple task that think about climbing stairs. So if you're someone that, you know, even if you are a little overweight and you're, you know, and you are um, into fitness and things, think about putting a barbell on, on your back, carrying 50 a hundred or 200 extra pounds on your back as you climb the stairs, wondering how you'll feel during and at the top and scared. What about going down the stairs? That uneasiness of that extra weight on your bar. Like I can't even imagine going downstairs. Like lunges are bad enough with a barbell on my back. But thinking about going down the stairs and knowing that I was carrying that much excess weight, it scares me. I have no clue how I was able to stay. It was probably youth. But honestly, if I had continued going the way I was going, there was no way I'd be able to go down the stairs safely. So think about, you know, stairs, the common idea of stairs. Shopping. Man, I still hate shopping unless I'm with certain people who can be patient with my range of emotions that go from excitement straight to angry to disgusted and annoyed to finally acceptance. You know, stereotypically, women love to shop and I'm one of those stereotypes. I love shopping and I just love looking at things and smelling them and feeling them and just like, I don't know, I feel like it's a sensory thrill when you go shopping. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and they're like, I just miss walking through the mall where you walk in the 
mall and four hours later you're done like I was never that person so don't like get that idea about me I'm an in like look at what I want to look at and leave kind of girl I'm not touching everything but you know what I'm saying and I love the thrill of it because it's like oh there's like all these sensory things and all that stuff so anyway people who are overweight or obese not only are they carrying the extra weight on your on their back so think about carrying that barbell weight on your back as well they're not only carrying that through the stores but the tight aisles and also likely having to, when they get to their section, have a limited selection of clothing to ooh and ah over. Oh, this is cute. Oh, I like that. But then as if that limited selection isn't enough, grab that price tag. When they grab that price tag, and I say they, I mean me too, okay? I mean me too. But grabbing that price tag of a plus size clothing piece that isn't on sale, yeah, it's a sucker punch. If you've never had to shop in a plus size section before, please do. Please just go look. Go look at the cost difference from the Mrs. Department of the exact same item to the plus department of the exact same item. Think clothes are bad. And on top of that, finding bras that don't allow that side boob fat to flop out and squish in and just like make a weird like, I don't know, jelloey jiggler feel. Underwear, that you know, finding quality underwear that will keep all those rolls, the layers of rolls in and just kind of resemble maybe a burrito instead of a rolled up thing. Any of that, like think about that. There aren't just cute underwear. There aren't just, it's not just when you're shopping, when you're obese. Okay. And some women, unfortunately, and men, unfortunately, there are not products in stores where they can tangibly touch to try on and and even have the shopping experience. So just keep that in mind. You know, going out to dinner, that's another thing that people that, you know, are, you know, likely to healthy weight and healthy lifestyle that they don't even second guess going out to dinner. When you're obese or overweight, everyone looks. Everyone watches to see what you're going to get to eat. So you're either awkward if you pick at your food, because quite frankly, that's annoying if you're going to pick at your food, but you don't want to look like, uh, you know, like you're drowning your sorrows in your food and just shove it in your face and hurry up and get out. Or maybe you could be awkward if you're, if you do enjoy shoving your food in your face, just like the people at your table. Again, people are staring. Going to a buffet. What do you choose? Do you choose to go all out with everything that you want? Or do you choose being sensible? No matter what, though, you're likely to go home and binge on extra food to numb those feelings of awkwardness. Exercise. Exercise is so hard. And I'm not, I don't mean it's hard to get started because it is for everybody. But if you are someone who is obese or overweight, if climbing stairs is difficult, imagine what it would be like to actually do squats, lunges, biking, rowing machines, burpees, push-ups, basically anything inside of a gym. As if the weight isn't difficult enough to carry around, think about how the extra skin or the mobility issues where a person would have a stomach or extra skin in the way to perform a proper movement pattern. As someone who has lost a lot of fat and now has a lot of hanging skin, it's embarrassing at times to hear my skin flap onto other skin while doing a burpee or while doing something. Imagine what that would be like in the middle of a quiet gym or doing that with a bunch of healthier, more fit people around. That's not all that comfortable, is it? I know that there are issues of like body positivity around this, and I'm not talking about that. I'm literally talking about just getting the grasp of how difficult even exercise can be. So when someone who's obese um, goes to their doctor and the doctor says, oh, exercise more. Well, it's not just exercise more. There's a lot more 
there's a lot more to it. And then the last thing I'm going to bring up that is sexual relations. Okay, so it's no secret I'm obsessed with My 600 Pound Life and Dr. Now. And I'm mostly obsessed because I love to see through the behaviors of these morbidly obese people and see what is driving their addiction to food. And I absolutely love, like, I literally pull out my phone and open up the notes app and take notes from Dr. Now because he's just a wealth of knowledge. So if you're in the nutrition realm or you are trying to work on your own nutrition and just trying to do it on your own time, I don't recommend doing nutrition on your own. But if you're trying to learn something on your own, just pay attention to what comes out of Dr. Now's mouth. It is gold. It is gold. So anyway, I've learned a lot from them and I've learned a lot from that show and that research and some re- a lot of research actually. And from my own experience of just being obese most of my life that, you know, sexual relations that should be enjoyed between a husband and wife is not necessarily that pleasurable or desirable for someone who has a lot of extra skin or fat in the way. So even the most basic desires, the most basic common things that, that that we should be able to do are maybe not the easiest for people that are overweight or obese to do because of other circumstances, okay? A year and a half into working with my own clients, though, most of my clients just simply say that they want to live, live their life without being held back by their weight, whatever that means to them. So if you are someone who is listening right now and you resonate with anything that I've just said, or if you're someone who loves another person that may be struggling keep listening. Okay, so research, I wanted to go into some detail and some research on obesity's prevalence as of the most current numbers that we could find. And I realize I'm using the CDC. And I realize um, it's got the National um, Center for of Health Studies or something as well. I've got a bunch of resources in my show notes, but I want to go over this. The prevalence of obesity was 42.4% in 2017 through 2018, okay? From 1999 to 2000, through 2017 through 2018, the prevalence of obesity increased from 30.5 to that 42.4%. And the prevalence of severe obesity increased from 4.7 to 9.2%. Severe obesity, okay? Obesity-related conditions include heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, and certain types of cancer that are some of the leading causes of preventable premature death. Did you hear that? Preventable premature death, okay? So these conditions are preventable. The estimated annual cost of obesity in the United States was $147 billion, with a B, in 2008 U.S. dollars. The medical cost for people who have obesity was $1,429 higher than those of normal weight. Okay, and by normal weight, we mean the healthy weight range. That last statistic is what I want to talk about the most is what I'm really going to hone in on the financial cost of obesity. Let me let me repeat that again. The estimated annual medical cost of obesity in the United States in 2008 alone was 147 billion US dollars compared to healthy weight counterparts people who are obese paid $1429 more in healthcare costs. So let's think about this a minute. If you are obese, you're at risk of heart disease. So I just did a quick Google search of the cost of heart disease in the United States. It's 219 billion US dollars. And and that's, you know, just all total. And you are at high risk of type 2 diabetes. You have personal expenses of around $16,752 a year. I'll just use these two examples because these are my two biggest enemies. And if I could fight it with a sword, I would go to my grave fighting it as if it were Satan himself. Obesity is expensive. 
we know obesity causes type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes can be reversed with actual fat loss and sustained fat loss. If type 2 diabetes is reversed, then the risk of heart disease goes down. And we know there is a connection between type 2 diabetes that will lead to heart disease. Now, I'm not smart enough yet on how to make this connection at the moment, but I will learn. The solution to diabetes and thus heart disease sure sounds like losing actual fat and keeping it off, right? But there are a lot of excuses, and I have so many excuses up the wazoo that you could tell me and as to why you are obese or overweight, and I've heard them all. I've heard them all. But more than likely, I've probably said them and believed them all. Some excuses you might use are, well, eating healthy is just too expensive. My medicine costs too much. I can't. Nutrition counseling is too expensive. Big pharma just costs too much. My insurance plan is awful and I deserve better access to, or access to better health care. But you know what all these excuses are? All those are excuses. They are lies you're telling yourself so you can experience entitlement rather than responsibility for your body. And when we make excuses, it just pushes our ego further and doesn't do a dang thing to make any changes or make you any better. When we take responsibility for our body, it means that we show up. We do the hard things. We make decisions that may not feel great in the moment. It is choosing delayed satisfaction over instant gratification. It is understanding that wellness isn't tangible until all those experiences of wellness are gone and you're left wanting to experience life again. Obesity is expensive. $100. $100. The average household in America spends $100 per person per month on prescriptions due to obesity and obesity-related diseases or what we call diseases of civilization. I have five people in my home. That is 500 times 12 is $6,000. So if my family, if I choose to allow my family to to be obese and have obesity-related diseases, $6,000 on average would come out of my pocket for my home on prescription drugs. The excuse of big pharma being the problem, Mm. then quit giving them a reason to take your money. The excuse of insurance coverage sucking, then quit making preventable issues. The excuse of nutrition wellness counseling being too expensive, Okay, but you'll pull up to the Walgreens window and without question hand over hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month for your prescriptions, but you won't hand over hundreds a month for wellness. Priorities. If being healthy and experiencing wellness is expensive to you, what about sickness? A BMI is a BMI above 30 is obese, which is most Americans. What will you do when, not if, you get diabetes? What will you do when, not if, you get heart disease of some sort? What will you do when, not if, you get some form of cancer? What will you do when you can't run and play with the kids, the grandkids? You can't run the ministry you love to volunteer at. What will you do when your job becomes too physically taxing to just sit at your desk all day? I'm here to fact check you. You can fight obesity And you can lose fat and return to healthy systems throughout your body. But I ask you, do you really want it? Do you really want it? Do you want to be the person who takes that $100 a month and is able to donate to missions teams or take a mission yourself, maybe tithe more at church, maybe use it to disciple and minister to the next generation? Somehow being overweight and obese is overlooked in the churches as an acceptable sin. And I'm pretty sure sin 
period, is separation from God. And there is not a hierarchy level of sins that are better or worse than and than any other. And I'm not going to go into this any deeper than this, but I'm going to leave this here for you to think about. A person who commits murder, his sin is measured the exact same way the sin of a person who is choosing to gluttony, choosing to put food to excess in his or her mouth. And by now you're probably rolling your eyes at me. And that's okay. You're probably rolling your eyes at me, especially if you struggle with these symptoms of obesity or love someone who does. And hear me, hear me when I say, I hear you. I know. I know from experience. I've had doctors always telling me I was fat. I've had OBGYNs who are really good at that, aren't they? I've had doctors from childhood. Can I tell you how demeaning that can be? So I'm telling you, I hear you. Let's go. We can control the way our genes express themselves by turning them on and off with our food. Some action steps we can take to get ourselves started in some healthy habits. Let me give you five, okay? The first one is eat whole foods. I don't mean eat at Whole Foods the store. I mean whole foods. Like if you put a a food in your hand, a steak, a potato, guess what? That's going to help you. Buy less box products and eat foods that you can hold in your hand that are food. If you shop at the grocery store, shop on the outside walls, look for all the colors, head to the colors, choose the different kinds of meats, choose that. If you are someone that, you know, doesn't, if this is all new to you, then you can go to my website now and there's a link in the show notes for a free recipe guide that can help you start working on eating whole food ingredient dishes. If you go to the grocery store and actually my recipe guides will the ingredients will be on the outsides of the grocery stores when you go to the grocery store and you walk in you you are usually hit with all the fresh produce start there start in the fresh produce and then walk your way around the boundaries of the the store your plate ideally if you're making a plate it should have one to two servings of some form of protein vegetables let's just say a half cup is not enough and um, some form of fruit or starch That's the best way to start. And then I want to talk about just quickly, there are no cheat days. Don't allow yourself to believe the hype of cheat days or cheat meals. Cheating sets you up for failure, which sets you up for yo-yo, which sets you up for a lot of demise. Learn to live in harmony with, with the foods you love and the foods you need. The second thing. So the first thing is I want you to eat whole food. That's what I recommend. I just recommend that eating whole foods. Second thing is move literally move. Take a 10 minute walk three times a day and that's already 30 minutes. Maybe you need to do more than that and actually want to join a gym. Maybe you haven't moved in so many years. You need some kind of therapy or physical therapy. Get yourself to a physiotherapist. Get Get the help you need. There is no reason you can't move. If you've not seen the movie, um, is it Wall-E? Wall-E? Those guys up, like we are not far from the characters in Wally that are in that little spaceship that haven't walked in years. We're not far from that. So just keep walking. If you already work out, work out four to five times a week. One day, make sure you're biking, walking, hiking, something, enjoying the outdoors. Go skiing. The snow's coming. I hate to say it, but the snow's coming already. Snow's coming. Go skiing. Go hiking. Go snowshoeing. Go see the world around you. And then rest on one day. So I have you eating whole foods, moving, The next thing I want you to do is hydrate. And I can't tell you how annoying it is to see people saying, oh, drink this many ounces. Well, do you know my body? 
No, they don't. A meme doesn't know my body and the people that make the meme don't know my body. What you need to do is just think about getting five clear urinations a day. That is your goal. Some people that's 64 ounces. Some people that's 128. Some people it's even more. It just depends on your bioindividuality, your unique needs of your hydration. So five clear urinations a day, that's it. Fourth, avoid fad diets. So we've got eating whole foods, moving more, and hydration. So fourth is avoid fad diets. So our bodies are designed to thrive on a wide variety of foods in the form of time-tested traditional diet. So when you yo-yo from following some form of fad diet, you're putting more strain on your metabolism and your body systems. Let's quit wasting our money on juice cleanses, You have a liver, by the way, and let it do its job. Shakes for the beach body. By the way, if you go to the beach and you have a body, boom, you've got a beach body. Isn't that amazing? That was just already free. You didn't have to buy anything to get that body. Keto, vegan, et cetera, all those things. There's not one diet method out there that is ideal for every single person across the globe. What works for me will likely not work for you. What works for you will likely not work for your best friend either. Avoid fad diets. The fifth thing I would highly recommend is hiring a nutritional counselor like me to help you walk through a in a bio-individual one-to-one setting. You need someone to see you as a whole person and not as a template and not as a moneymaker. You have different genetic factors, ancestral factors, stress, life stages, circumstances, and more that make you who you are today. You need to find wellness amidst all of that. Obesity is expensive. Wellness is expensive. Choose your expensive. Check the show notes for my sources and for any information I've shared that you want to access directly. Did you know you can buy me a coffee as a way to say thank you for this content? You can click in the show notes or go to buymeacoffee.com backslash CIMC. I will thank you on the show for your rating. Have a great day.